Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. North Korea had a whole kidnapping kick in the 1970s and 80s. It was a kidnapping project. They kidnapped people from all over the world, from Malaysia, Thailand, Romania, France. But more than anything, they liked to kidnap from their neighbors. They liked to kidnap people from South Korea and specifically Japan. So why were they on this kidnapping kick? What was this for? They wanted Japanese citizens to teach Japanese language and culture in North Korean spy schools so that their spies would be able to infiltrate Japan without getting caught. They would also kidnap older Japanese people in order to take over their identities and their ID cards, social security, everything. Officially, the North Korean government has admitted to kidnapping 13 Japanese citizens, even though it's speculated that there could be more. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're going to cover one of the most famous North Korean kidnappings, the kidnapping of 13-year-old Japanese citizen Megumi Yokoda. Megumi Yokoda was born on 5th October 1964. She was born to Shigeru and Saki Yokoda, and from what I was able to find, she had two twin brothers, um, Takuya and Tatsuya. She seemed to have a really normal, really nice childhood, and there's no doubt about it that her parents loved her a lot and really cared for her. She grew up in a seaside village in the Niigata prefecture, and it seemed like a really peaceful place. She was known to be very chatty, very active, very bright, and her younger brother described her as the sunflower of the family. Another thing that we want to take note of is that Megumi, she was pretty tall for her age, alright? So now we're going to fast forward a little bit to 15th November 1977. So at this time, Megumi was just 13 years old, so that's pretty young. So she just finished badminton practice because remember, she was an active girl. And this wasn't an unsafe area, and from some reports, her home was just 7 minutes away from Yori Middle School where she went to. So she had a little school bag with her, and she had a badminton racket, and so she said bye to her friends about 800 feet away from her house, so that's really close. That's how close to home she was. Her family would never see her again. So what happened to Megumi? And this is an account from a North Korean spy who defected to South Korea and allegedly heard the story from one of her kidnappers who is now a senior spy master. This kidnapping was supposedly an accident. It starts with two spies and they had just finished a mission in Japan. 
They were waiting on a beach in Niigata for a pickup from a North Korean boat because they couldn't just take a plane back, you know, they were undercover. While they were waiting, they noticed that someone had seen them, which is very bad because they were undercover, right? And that was Megumi who had spotted them while walking back home. And remember, she was really tall for her age and it was dark, so they thought that she was an adult. So they kidnapped her take her with them to their boat and shove her into a pitch black, completely dark storage room. And after they arrived in North Korea, when they opened the door, her fingernails were destroyed. They were bloody. She tried to scratch and claw and get her way out of the storage room. So she was so young, she was 13, and she cried and cried and she refused to eat and the North Koreans, they lied to her. They told her if she learned Korean, and if she worked hard, she would eventually be allowed to go home. And this obviously wasn't true and this obviously didn't happen. She ended up forced into working for the North Koreans, teaching Japanese and Japanese culture in a spy school where North Korean spies learned languages, customs, how to behave, basically how to go undercover in that country. Now, there were also two other kidnapped South Korean students at that time and one would eventually become her husband. In 1986, she married the other kidnapped South Korean, Kim Yang Nam, and they had a daughter together in 1987. Now, not much is known about her life after that, so I'm going to say what allegedly happened according to North Korea. So, according to the North Korean government. So, you know, you want to take everything with a pinch of salt. The government officially, their stance was that Megumi was depressed, that she was sad, and that she was suicidal. And I get it, who wouldn't be? After all, she was a kidnapped victim and she'd been held captive since she was 13. So they said that she had mental illness and eventually she committed suicide in 1994. She would have been 30 years old at that time. So years later, in 2006, her South Korean husband was allowed to have his family visit North Korea. And he also corroborated the story and said that she committed suicide. But the thing is that, you know, he was still trapped in North Korea and most people believe that he was forced to. And even Megumi's father said that it looked like he was reading from a script. Generally, most people in Japan, according to what I've read, still believe that she's alive today and I can kind of see why. Now, one thing we know for certain is that throughout all this, Megumi's parents loved her and they loved her a lot. Let's go back to that day. On 15th November 1977, as the sun set, her mom was getting really worried. Eventually, at 6pm, her mom started running towards the gym at Yori Middle School. So she expected to run into Megumi. Maybe she got held up. Maybe she was dawdling, but like she expected to run into her on her way home. But when she got to the school, the school's night watchman said that Megumi and her friends, they left the school a long, long time ago. The police were called in, but as we know, it was already too late. They had the family, policemen, tracker dogs, all looking for her. 
they checked the forests in the area, the beaches, they looked at every car that went by their village. In total, the police, they put in 3,000 staff days into her disappearance. So they had a kidnapping unit, a team of people in the family home, and they had patrol boats searching the sea around their village. But it was too late already. Megumi was in North Korea. Now, for the longest time as well, North Korea denied all allegations of kidnapping. They were like, no, that's a conspiracy theory. But in 2002, eight years after Megumi allegedly killed herself, and exactly 25 years after Megumi was kidnapped, Japan and North Korea held a summit. So it was the very first Japanese North Korean summit. And at this summit, North Korea admitted to kidnapping at least 13 people. And no, this wasn't actually Kim Jong-il's plan. No, no, these kidnappings were done by people who wanted to show their heroism and adventure. And this was not a good move on North Korea's part because naturally Japan was outraged. The other thing is that because of this admission, Megumi's family received confirmation on what actually happened to her. They found out that she was kidnapped by North Korea and that she committed suicide. Her parents were devastated and her dad didn't believe that Megumi actually committed suicide and he continued to advocate for the repatriation of his daughter, for his daughter to be returned and of the rest of the Japanese kidnapped victims to be returned. So he organized different things like photo exhibits, a film, he spoke to different dignitaries. So we still don't know what's the real truth, but remember Megumi's daughter? She ended up growing up in North Korea and there were even rumours at one time that she was under the supervision of Kim Jong-un's sister. And apparently, in March 2014, Megumi's parents were finally allowed to meet their grandchild and great-grandchild in Mongolia. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of A Briefcase Podcast. This case was very kindly recommended by Sien on my Instagram story, and it was such an interesting case to research, but honestly so sad. I can't imagine being kidnapped for most of my adult life. If you enjoyed this case, do share it with your family and friends. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at a briefcase podcast or online at a briefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another brief case.